This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen, and you're listening to the Warning Radio program. Once again, I have Apostle Don Beasley. He's a senior pastor of Turning Point City Church, Dixon, Illinois. Well, welcome back, Don. Hey, thanks. It's good to be here. Well, it's always good having you. I know the last time we talked and uh, we said that we were going to pick it up on who is the king of America. Who is the king of America? So why don't you start, Don? Okay. You know, if we look around today, this is tragedy we just had down in in Texas there, you know, just the senseless killing of people and you know, everybody wants to know how to fix it and what to do and everything. And they don't realize that some amazing things we have in America that nobody else in the world has or has ever had is our government and the way that it's set up. That's right. It was done on, on purpose by, by, I mean, men who are, it is absolutely unbelievable when you think about them, but it was based on the fact they believe that the Bible in Psalms 33, 12, that blesses the nation whose God is the Lord. And they made it very, very clear. And, and they followed up with Proverbs 14, 34, righteousness exalts a nation, but sends a disgrace to any people. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's really interesting when you go back and you look at how they set this whole thing up. What, what they did is there was 6,000 years of human history. And in that 6,000 years of human history, there are kings. And they, when they looked at that, they decided that kings were the problem. And when you constitute all that power into one man. And I heard William Federer, he was talking about this. And he said, uh, who wrote the book, Who is the King of America? And when he asked, he asked a question to the crowd. He goes, just suppose that you're the, you're, you're the most righteous man there is. And you became king. He said, we don't understand how easy corruption comes. So he says, you're king now for, you know, a couple of years and things are going great. and Righteousness is exalting the nation and it's going well. And your sister's son gets drunk and has a car wreck and kills somebody. And they're going to put him in prison. And she comes to you and says, you can't let my Johnny go to prison. you got to step in and do something. You have the power to do it. And he thinks about it or whatever. And he decides that, you know, I've never really asked for anything. So this, this one time I'm going to step in and keep Johnny out of prison. And he went through this thing and he said, you did that and whatever. He said, and you just now became a corrupt king, as corrupt as any king that's ever been. Because that now has established something that you have the power to bless your friends and to punish your enemies. Wow. And it's not based on anything 
other than your own feelings at the time. Yes. And so that I don't, I, I thought that was to me was phenomenal to see how easy it is for a person to become corrupted and why our founding fathers took the crown of the king and they, they uh, dissembled it. They broke it into tiny little pieces and gave it to what we call citizens today. Correct. And it's interesting because the word, I love the definition of politic given, you know, we talk about politics all the time, politics, politics, and somehow there's a separation between politics and religion and, you know, this and that and whatever. And there's some of this pure polit political thing or whatever. But the reality is, is the word politic comes from the French word. Um, I don't even know how to polycue or political from a Latin word politicos. And it comes from then polites and then the word citizen and then from polis, which means city. And I, and I love the definition given by William Bennett, former Secretary of Education under Ronald Reagan, in his book, The Book of Man, where he connects the responsibility of the citizen to the success or the power of the city. So the first idea of politics is the role of our responsibility of the citizen to make a contribution to our own governance. And this was the idea of the founding fathers and, and the author of the preamble of the Constitution when they said, we the people of the United States in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty for ourselves and our, posteri our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. So this idea of, poli uh, of politics, or po politic, we are all included, and there is no idea or concept among the founding fathers of the Constitution to exclude anyone from the citizenry. Yet today we have deteriorated to the point that 45% of the U.S. Popula population has been excluded from participating in paying taxes. Yes. Yet they still have all, so they don't have the responsibilities, but they still could have all the rights. And that's just unsustainable. And this issue by itself, this, this one, that one issue by itself is enough to overwhelm this great system of government we have been so blessed to receive. So now what's happened is, is the kings, the founding fathers made the citizens, have now decided that they can give favor to their friends and they don't have to participate with any kind of responsibility in our culture. And so that's the beginning, I think, of where we find ourselves right now. That's one side. And then the other side is a religious side. I'll talk about that in just a minute, but I'll let you respond to that part there. Well, you're absolutely correct. I mean, our, our nation was built on, on the foundation of our faith, as far as faith in Jesus Christ. 11 out of 13 original colonies. If you wanted to be a politician, if you want to run for public office, you had to say Jesus Christ was your Lord, your Savior, and your God. You had to proclaim that. And uh, right. today they're trying to take God out of the equation. Then you weren't even qualified to run for office unless you said Jesus was your Lord, your Savior, and your God. And the Bible was in the courtrooms for morality, justice, and ethics. That's where the laws came from. And so right. when you when you try to remove the Bible, and which the Supreme Court originally stated you could not 
remove the Bible, and uh, someone who tried it, they put him in prison. Uh, now, uh, 1973, they removed uh, the Bible and prayer. So it's a direct attack on our nation, if you want to say, that was founded on Judeo-Christian values. You know, you get that back to President John F. Kennedy, and this is what you just alluded to. I mean, ask not what your nation can do for you, but what can you do for your nation? I mean, that's a totally different mentality that that the Democrats are doing today. Right. The whole thing is, is that we're perpetuating this whole thing that we have rights without responsibility. And the reality is, is that our responsibilities are what give us our rights. And you can't have one without the other. But we all that's the same thing that we do in Christianity, that you can separate your behavior from your belief. But the Bible says that God looks at your behavior and he that's how he measures your belief. He doesn't measure with your words. He measures it with your actions or your behavior. And the reason for that is, is the problem is that since the fall of humanity in the garden, we all have a little dictator in our own flesh, in our DNA. And power like gravity concentrates into the hands of ambitious people. And then they reward their friends and punish their enemies. And so... The reason that this always happens over 6,000 years is because no matter who you put in charge, we're really all alike. And and that's why I think Thomas Jefferson said that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yes. Um, Because it's just the way that it really really is, you know. So our founding forefathers looked at 6,000 years of human history. Yeah. And they they chose this government that we have, we call Judeo-Christian. The reason it's called Judeo-Christian is because they looked at the only government on the history on the history of the world on the planet that did not have a king was Judaism. Yeah. God was their king. Yes. Until that got messed up. So they uh that's the reason they created it. and they were very, very uh they're very open about that concept when you read what they wrote about it. It's absolutely hilarious. The people that try to say that this never happened. James Wilson, the signer of the Declaration of Independence and Constitution was appointed to the Supreme Court by President George Washington. He's one of the first ones. And he said, after a period of 6,000 years has elapsed since creation, the United States exhibits to the world the first instance of a nation assembling voluntarily and calmly concerning the system of government, which they would wish that they and their posterity should live. So they, this was, they chose meticulously to dismantle the power of the king and give it to the people. And so the government of America was from the bottom up, not the top down. It's been said over and over again that those who established our government, that these sovereigns or kings of America and its people are more correctly the citizens of of the country. And that's what was laid out. And so it's really kind of interesting when you look at how they, I love how William Federer writes this in his book. He says, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights are essentially a collection of hurdles to pre- prevent power from snapping back to the hands of a king. Exactly. Like hor- like horizontal and vertical lines of a cross, the founders scattered the power of the king horizontally into three competing branches, executive, legislative, and judicial, and then vertically into federal, state, and local levels. And then they tied up this federal Frankenstein with 10 unbreakable handcuffs, the first 10 amendments. Which I, I think is a great way of writing that down, but you see them today. They want to break these these these. Hand, they want to get these handcuffs off of them. The First Amendment, the Second Amendment, Fourth Amendment, Fifth Amendment. 
they want to get all these handcuffs off of them, so they they're trying to put all this in. And rather than what I find amazing is rather than having individual rights and responsibilities, they're creating all these these groups that you have to be in a group to have these rights or that rights or whatever. And I think one of the most unjust laws ever ever established out of this out of our government that we have in our Congress is the whole concept of hate crimes. And I remember way early on when they first started, I, I said, this will be a, this will be a disaster because it's just a way that you can punish your enemies and help your friends. Oh, totally. Because today, I mean, when you murder somebody, I mean, it's a hate crime. It, I mean, I don't care who you are. It's a hate crime. Uh, it doesn't matter. You know, if you, and you, they're saying, well, it's worse if you didn't like the color of the person or the religion of the person. You know, they, they kill Christians all the time because they hate Muslims, hate Christians, but they ain't nobody got enough hair to charge a Muslim with a hate crime. Yes, yes. That ain't never going to happen, uh, you know, because because they will, you know, they'll burn the place down. And that, But, you know, Christians are going to have to wake up because they're like sleep, a sheep being led to slaughter because we don't know who we are, to whom we belong, or anything like that. So, really, it's a, kind of amazing. And what happens is this, We've turned our back on the very foundation of our country, which is our faith. And so now we have, I think the last time I saw the statistics, it's over 70% of kids in America now are raised in a home without their natural father in their home in America right now. Yes. And, and you know, we've, we've just so berated fathers because of the, of the authority they have made them look like a bunch of nimbuscles. And because of that, we don't we don't have anybody in the home teaching children their responsibilities of how just to you know to act towards your mother, to act towards your father, act toward other people. And because of that, we have all these, I mean, just absolutely spoiled brats think the whole world revolves around them from cradle to grave. And it, you know, and it, it's the first time they get mad, they get so mad or whatever, they're just going to go out and kill a bunch of people or hurt a bunch of people. It's just a snap of a moment, and we keep wondering why this is getting worse and worse. And we 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 pick everything but the real problem. And the real problem is we have a we have a moral sickness going on in our country that even the church won't rise up to speak to. Yes, well, I think now you got to the heart of the issue: the church. Uh, this should never reach this stage if the church was protecting. Uh, the nation was protecting the individual, was protecting our Constitution and Bill of Rights. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, about they're wanting to take away these these protections that the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the amendments are. They want to take away those protections because they want to bring back a Caesar. They want to bring back a king, unlimited authority and power. And like you said, they want to uh, destroy, attack nullify anybody who gets in their way. I mean, this disinformation uh, board that Biden was trying to push through. And I'll tell you right now, uh, it's not over. These guys are going to sit back and reintroduce it again. They're going to keep doing it until they get it through unless we change government. So, uh, you know, you have your presidents in the past and judges, including the, the Supreme Court justice, that said that this nation was founded on Christian values and morality and was only set up to be run by Christians. I mean, if we wanted to get into quotes, we could name the people in the Supreme Court justices, etc., who said that it is run and supposed to be run by Christians set up 
for a Christian population because this nation was supposed to be Christian, Don. Right, absolutely. Like George Washington, you know, first president of America, at a time when kings killed to keep power, he, he gave up the power. Yes. They tried to make him the king of America. And people were amazed around the world when he stepped down. And it, it, it is said that uh, Benjamin West, a painter, that King George III of England asked what General Washington did to do now that he's won the war. And West replied, they say he'll return to his farm. And King George exclaimed, if he does, he will be the greatest man in the world. Uh, you know, that's right. So, that's right. So George Washington said, if the freedom of speech is taken away, then the dumb and silent may be led like sleep, uh, sheep to slaughter. So, I mean, it's just absolutely. And then it was James Adams, whose quote you were talking about a minute ago. He, he said that we have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passion, unbridled by morality and religion. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people, wholly inadequate for the government of any other. That's right. So we're moving to that place right now, you know, where we're into that. And, and George Washington warned us about this very thing. He said the necessary of reciprocal checks in the exercise of political power by dividing it into depositories, each the guardian against the invasion by the others, to preserve them must be necessary as to institute them. But let there be no change by usurpation, man. That's a big word right there. For though this in one instance may be the instrument of good, it is the customary weapon by which free governments are destroyed. Yes. And what he was saying there is there can be no usurpation between those three governments, between the states and the federal government, and they should fight for what their position, what they have. And I think probably one of the biggest usurpations that's happened now is you're seeing it happening on a on a grand level now is this whole idea that the executive branch can write these executive orders uh, and they treat them like laws and they're not laws. They have not been through the system that was set up to put a law in place by the Congress. And so what well, we, we already have like a mini King in the white house, they come in and they write these executive orders and the next one comes in and turns the executive orders of the last one over. And then every once in a while, the Supreme Court steps in and says, nope, you can't overturn that one. Yeah. But yeah. That, that's a law. Well, excuse me? You yeah. know, it just blows my mind where we're at right now. Yeah, the checks and balances are constantly being eroded. Like you said, we already have a little Caesar, a little king in the White House. Again, that's because, you know, Don, I keep coming back. The church has not done its God-given responsibility to be true ambassadors in this nation. They're supposed to, you know, if the church was what it's supposed to be, there'd be peace and prosperity and there'd be protection against evil. It is not doing what it's supposed to be doing. It is becoming itself changed by the world instead of changing the world. Well, I mean, I think the thing happened in the church, what happened is, is that men started building their kingdoms instead of building the kingdom of God. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, and, and they did it for the same reason, for money. Power. You know, you got you got power. These guys can say, oh, well, the Bible doesn't really mean that. You can do this or you can do that or whatever. And then other pastors won't call them out because they don't want to, you know. I, I think the church started cancel culture. Now, it wasn't the world. The, 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 the world learned cancel culture from the church. The church been canceling out people forever that tried to stand up against what parts of stuff that's going wrong, you know? And, uh, and there's been people that have, have done it forever, but you know, they get pushed to the side, but you know, when, when you look at the, 
founding fathers on the freedom of uh, the separation of church and state of the freedom, they actually wrote laws to keep the government out of the church, not the op- you know the opposite. Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. And, and, that, they, and go ahead. Jefferson and Washington, they believed these that these were impenetrable, that that the government could not come across them at all. That's why they put them there. It's just unbelievable. James Madison wrote in his in his journal entry. There is no shadow of right in the general federal government to intermeddle with religion. The subject is for the honor of America uh, perfectly unshackled. The government has no jurisdiction over it, period. Yes, I mean, yes. That's the guy who wrote this, what they were talking about, you know. Then you look at what happened there. So you got to look where, where we at, where we're now. And it's not all the church. It's, part of it is the church allowed this to go on. They have their responsibility, but like what happened in America, things, what George Washington said, usurpation comes because we think something's good at one moment. It turns out to be something different. And the major events that transpired is the great Irish potato famine in the 1800s resulted in millions of Irish Catholics immigrating to America, giving rise to anti-sectarian Blaine amendments, preventing state tax money from going to Catholic schools. Now, that happened in the 1800s because most of the, 13 original colonies still had constitutions written that didn't allow Catholics to participate in their government. That's exactly right. And so these Blaine amendments were written, and they thought that was a good thing, but they were written, they're anti-sectarian amendments that have been used against the Christian church now. They turned them around. And remember George Washington said, watch out for that usurpation. What looks good in one generation will be a horror in the next. And then in 1859, Charles Darwin published The Origin of the Species, and Herbert Spencer coined the term survival of the fittest and advocated applying Darwin's evolution theory to other areas of academia. In in 1868, the 14th Amendment forced Southern Democrats to grant rights to slaves. In 1870, Harvard law professor Christopher Columbus Langdell pioneered applying evolution to the legal process, and he invented the case precedent of practicing law. And so then we have two types of justices come up. Those who hold the laws, they keep the meaning of those who wrote them and those who hold that they can evolve and have new meanings at the justice discretion. And so for years that what, you know, we've been doing that for now for long enough. And now we're seeing it come to a real, a real head here among us. And we find out that some of the things that really happened that really messed us up. And one of the biggest things was, is when they passed all these laws. Actually, the first thing was they established a secular religion at the Supreme Court. They they decided that these secular religions were equal to the church for tax jurisdiction. And then when they did that, I think the first time they did that was in 1960, I believe it was, or 61. And then they, uh, ever since they've done that, they've been using this secular rule of law to actually exclude the church from any conversation about what's going on. And so what they basically did is where the government was never supposed to pass a law prohibiting religion or preferring a religion, they actually preferred secularism because they did begin to adopt the humanist, humanist manifesto. They've been passing laws along the human manifesto ever since the 1960s on a massive basis, creating case law from them. Yeah. And that's also where the 501c3 laws that attempt to, relip, to limit religious groups from being involved in politics because it's completely unconstitutional. Religion, especially the Christian faith, 
has an ink tax exemption in the First Amendment of the Bill of Rights as it was written. That's right. So we're the, we have that, and, and they don't have that. And so it's just really um, kind of amazing where we are. Well, you hold that thought, Don, because uh, I want to go a little deeper into this next week. But, uh, you know, like uh, government is supposed to stay out of the church. And uh, right. they've twisted it around. But, you know, truth takes away deception. Prayer brings conviction. I think part of what we have to do is re-educate people, re-educate the church, re-educate society. And so uh, this process that, again, that goes right back to the Great uh, Commission, making disciples. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Warning Radio Program. Special guest today, a senior pastor, Don Beasley, Turning Point City Church, Dixon, Illinois. Now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to stop this insanity, they're trying to topple America, go to my website, www.worldministries.org, www.worldministries.org. Click on Eagles Saving Nations. I urge you to become either a golden eagle, a bald eagle, or a white eagle. Subscribe so we can get right back to another great awakening, fill the stadiums up, and let the power of God come down. And so the third person of the Trinity, as hundreds of thousands leave these stadiums, they are filled with God in them, and they are not afraid like Peter. Instead, we'll see a mighty revival, a mighty awakening. Thank you, Don, for being with me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'll see you next week. Okay, my friend. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.